Thank you for joining us for another life-giving message from City Church Now in Progress. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, that name that is above every other name. Lord, we commit this time to you, and we thank you that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. Lord, we thank you for your people, and we ask you, God, to visit us now with your presence and your power. Lord, your word declares that the entrance of your word gives light, illuminate the dark places in our hearts, in our minds, even in our understanding. Father, answer questions that only you can answer. We trust you for that. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Take these lips of clay and cause them to speak as an oracle of God and make our hearts receptive to such things as you will say in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen and amen. If I were to choose a title for today's message, it will simply be this. You've got a friend in me. And what I really want to talk about this morning is about relationships. I want to talk about healthy relationships. I want to talk about relationships as God intended them to be. Uh, We're going to talk about it in the context of Toy Story. And the movie is just going to provide a backdrop to what good and bad relationships look like. Going to help us understand what a toxic relationship looks like, uh, what the root causes of toxic relationships can be, but also it's going to help us see the redemptive nature of what is possible when we make the adjustments in our lives, not waiting for somebody else to change. A lot of times we think that our relationships, our interpersonal relationships will improve if they change. But sometimes the truth of the matter is we got to make some adjustments in our own lives personally. The struggle is that oftentimes we say, if you go, I'll go. Y'all remember that famous line from Titanic? If you jump, I'll jump. And that's the way most of us do relationships. And we struggle to take ownership for our contribution to where the relationship is, good or bad. So today, that's what I really want to talk about. Because when Jesus is approached by this one individual in the Gospels, uh, to be more specific, Matthew chapter 22, and he asks him about the greatest commandment, Jesus responds and says to him that our understanding of the greatest commandment that God has ever given can only be understood in the context of relationships. Notice the anchor text lifted from Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Man approaches Jesus and says, teacher, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? By this time, now, now remember, in Exodus, God gave the Israelites how many commandments? Give them only 10. By the time Israel has become a nation, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders have converted those 10 commandments into over 600 principles and precepts. God gave them 10 and man thought they could improve on the 10 that God gave him and said, you know, what? we're going to multiply this by 60 and we're going to try to figure out how to please God by keeping all 600 of these commandments. So this man approaches Jesus and he says to him, of these 600 plus instructions, Which one's the greatest? What's at the top of your list? That's a lot like human nature. A lot of times when you're in the room with someone who is an expert, a subject matter expert at SME, this is what we usually do. What's the one thing I need to know to build my company? 
What, what, what's the one thing I need to know to build my brand, right? And sometimes we forget that their success is an accumulation of knowledge, of events, of mistakes, of failures, and maybe a few successes. Uh, it's human nature, right, to be consumed with the one thing. Because sometimes you're like, 600 plus laws, Lord, just tell me one. And let me just work on this one, because if I can figure out what's most important to you, that's where I'm going to devote my time and energy. So, so that's exactly what's happening here. God comes to Jesus and says, of all these commandments, of all these instructions, which are just so burdensome, man, which is the greatest? Where have you placed the greatest priority and the greatest significance? And interestingly enough, Jesus responds in the context of relationships. How many of you realize that relationships matter to God? In fact, after God created Adam, he said it was not good. Of all the things that God created in those six days, the one thing that God said was not good that he had created was a man who lived in isolation. Can I just say newsflash to those of us who believe that we are an island unto ourselves? You wrong. For those of us who choose to live in isolation, well, I don't need those people. All I need is God. Are you sure? Because if that were true, Adam was in the perfect situation because all he had was God. Yet God said, it ain't good, bruh, for you to be alone. And a lot of times we just limit that to the fact that God creator created a helper or a help meet that God gave him a wife. But check this out. God created each of us to live in community hmm? and to live in the context of healthy, God-honoring relationships. So his response to what's the greatest commandment? is that there are three relationships, three, three relationships that matter to God. Are y'all with me? Jesus responds and says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first relationship. The first relationship that we're called to have, that we're called to cultivate, and that we're called to nurture is a healthy, vertical relationship with God. Because it's where we derive our identity. Are y'all with me? Four things about your relationship with God. I'm going to go fast and furious. I'm calling an audible right now. Four reasons it matters to have a vertical relationship with God. Number one, it's where we derive our identity. Intimacy is, I'm sorry, intimacy is number one. Intimacy with God is where you will derive your identity. And out of that place of identity, knowing who you are, listen to me, listen to me, who you are is not for you to decide, it's for you to discover. Newsflash, just in case you didn't realize it, God already decided a long time ago who you were created to be and what you were to, created to accomplish. And that's why Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Jeremiah, even before 
You were formed in your mother's womb. I knew you and I called you and I ordained you to be a prophet. It's not for us to decide, it's for us to discover. And the only place we can discover our identity is through intimacy with God. Because it's God appointed, not self-assumed. Y'all kind of quiet on me in this Presbyterian church this morning. Glory to God. It's God appointed, not self-assumed. Long before one day ever came to be, God already decided. Just in case you're not sure, let me give you a scripture and verse. Ephesians chapter 2. I already gave you Jeremiah 1 5, but Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. That we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in. The reason Jesus says the number one commandment is love your God. He speaks of intimacy with God. Spending time in the presence of God, cultivating a healthy relationship with God is because without that, we will never discover our true identity, who we are, and what we were created to accomplish for his glory. And that's the problem. Because we leave God out of the equation, we start looking for love in all the wrong places. And our lives become limited by others' expectations and definitions of who we are and what we can become. Your life is limited by a lid, a lid that other people have placed on you. Because you have elected not to have an intimate relationship with God to allow God to say, no, bruh, you're so much more. You're so much bigger. You're worth so much more than what people have ascribed to you. So Jesus said, look, the first place you got to start is, 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 is intimacy with God because out of that place of intimacy will come your identity. Here's the third thing. Uh, the third word is integrity. That word integrity, for those of you who are math gurus, anybody know what that word integer, integer means? I, I, I struggle. Oh. It's out of that place of intimacy that we become whole. And that's why often you will see that phrase in the Hebrew, shalom, which means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. That only comes from an intimate relationship with God, where you see your life as whole in him. Here's the fourth, fourth one. When I, when I walk in intimacy with God, I discover my true identity which comes only from God, I become whole. Listen to me, listen to me. I become whole. In spite of the bruises, listen to me. I don't know why I'm even going down this direction. In spite of the bruises, in spite of the nicks, in spite of the bumps, in spite of the mistreatment. L listen to me, listen to me. Who got a $100 bill? Somebody said on them? Yes, on them. <laughs> A hundred. C note. I know I got some ballers in here. Deep pockets. At least one. No, this. This is your 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 resurrection seed. You need to resurrect some stuff in your life. Come so so into the man of God. Come on, somebody. No, I'm gonna give it back. I'm gonna give it back. I'm gonna give it. Back. I'm gonna give it back. You know I will. Are you sure? Yep. This is $100. 
I'm already, I already figured out where I'm about to eat after service. Come on, somebody. This hundred can go a long way in about an hour or so. Hundred dollar bill, hundred dollar bill. Check this out. This is the way life begins. Hundred dollar bill. Crisp, untouched, unspoiled. But time and life happen. And then the creases begin to take over what was once perfect, unspoiled, and untouched. Oh, 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 oh. Somebody said something. You ain't going to be nothing. Oh, 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 yes, yes, no. You're going to be just like your daddy. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was... A loved one. And all of a sudden, this perfect $100 bill ends up looking a lot like this. I promise you, I'm going to give you a new dollar, $100 bill, bro. <laughs> that people throw you away. Man, I can't even find that $100 on that carpet, on that rug. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, bro. I don't want none of y'all coming here after service picking it up. Because I'm responsible for, oh, here it is right here. And then sometimes, 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 this $100 bill, uh, somebody steps on it, kick it around. L- listen, listen to why Jesus said this is the greatest commandment. Because Jesus knew that life has a propensity to treat even the best of us just like that. Where do you take your broken places and your broken pieces? If not God. Because the truth of the matter is, this $100 bill, as broken and as crushed and as creased as it is, is what? It's still a $100 bill. Most of us define our lives, listen to me, listen to me, and say, man, look at what happened to me. Look at who dropped me. Look at who crushed me. Look at who left me. Look at who, and and we think that our lives have been diminished because this is what our life looked like. But I guarantee you, if I show up right now at Nordstrom, like I'm about to do right after this service, because of Travis's generosity, they still gonna take this $100 bill. I'm talking to people who walked in the building this morning feeling just like this. It is from a place of intimacy with God that you will rediscover your wholeness. You are still a hundred dollar bill. You are still what God said you were. That you are. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Done changes mind. Beaten, broken, rejected, cussed at, abandoned, still a $100 bill. So Jesus said, Jesus said, you will only understand your life in the context of your first, your vertical relationship with me. 
Because most people will look at you and say, man, you done. Only I can look at you and still see what I saw at the beginning before any of this happened. Listen to me, listen to me. Integrity. Integrity. <laughs> Dexter. You better preach that. Come on, sir. Thank you very much. Turn to your neighbor and say, preach, black man. Come on, somebody. All my non-black friends are like, can we say that? Yes, yes, you can, in Jesus' name. That's how we get down to city church. What was I talking about? Wholeness, wholeness. Still a $100 bill. And from that place of wholeness or integrity will come influence. That's where God wants us to live. God says if you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, what it will produce, what will come out of you is influence. Because out of that intimacy will come your identity. Out of that identity will come wholeness. And out of that wholeness will come influence where you begin to touch and impact lives. Are y'all with me? That's the first relationship. It's vertical in nature. Uh, here's the second relationship. And he says, and the second is like it. Hey, how am I going to do this? You shall love your neighbor. Listen to me. That's horizontal. First thing he tells us to deal with is the, hor- the vertical because out of that place, listen to me. In fact, let me back up a little bit. Let me back up a little bit. Uh, we can really only truly love God to the degree and to the extent that we understand how much he loves us. Most of us got this fickle love for God because we don't understand how much he loves us. It's hard to really love somebody to your full potential when you're unsure about how much they love you. And that's the way most of us are with God, right? Uh, 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 Jesus said, said, love God. It's like, man, does he really love me? How much does he love me? And that's what most of us do, right? When bad stuff happens, we blame it on God. Insurance company call hurricanes. Another natural disaster, acts of God. And so it's hard to love a God who I think is destroying the world. A God who didn't answer my prayers. And our ability to love God is informed, first of all, by our understanding of how much God loves us. And that's why John said in 1 John, perfect love casts out all fear. You know what that means? It says when we understand how perfectly we are loved by God. When we understand how much God loves us, listen, if you ever wrestled with how much God loves you, just look at the cross. Doesn't get any better than that. Listen to me. He did it for you. It's easier to believe that he did it for everybody else. But can I just remind you that everything Jesus did on the cross, he did for you to demonstrate his love. And that's why Romans 5 and verse 8 says he demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If he died while I was a sinner, 
He didn't wait till I got my acting order. That tells me his love for me is not conditional. It's not based on my behavior. And that's where we struggle because the way we love people, it's conditional and it's based on their performance. Here's the dilemma, man. Number one, I can't really love God until I understand how much he loves me. Number two, he says, love your neighbor. Because that's the second relationship, but it's actually the third. It's actually the third relationship that Jesus points out. Because listen, we can only love our neighbor to the degree that we have learned to love ourselves. Listen, most people read that scripture and think there are only two relationships. Jesus talks about three. And he says, you will love the Lord your God. You will love your neighbor as... That is the second relationship. Your ability to just love you. All your curves and all your edges. All your perfect imperfections. I give you. That was bad. Listen to me. John, listen to what John Legend said. He said, girl, I love you with all your perfect imperfections. I love you just the way you are, man. And how many of us struggle loving people? Because we haven't first learned to love ourselves. To embrace what God made. And what God called good. Because the problem, the problem is, I can't love you the way I'm supposed, I can't even say supposed, the way I'm supposed to love you (laughs) until I learn to love myself. That means accepting who I am without any outside participation. Meaning, I love myself regardless of what you say, regardless of what you don't say. I love me. You know why? Because God said he loved me. But I can't love me the way I should love me if I haven't learned to love God because I haven't understood how much God loves me. Y'all see, y'all see the chain reaction? Because now if I don't believe God loves me, then I'm not going to love myself, and I'm going to look for love in all the wrong places, and now all of a sudden I'm having difficulty loving my neighbor as myself. Are y'all listening to me this morning? Yeah. Now how many of you realize all of that came out of Toy Story? All of it. I sat down yesterday evening, yesterday afternoon, and watched Toy Story. And the Lord said there's lessons for us to learn. From just a couple of scenes from the movie. 
Uh, because here's the third thing, the third thing, the third thing. First relationship, vertical. Second relationship is internal, how I relate to me. Listen to me. <laughs> Every single day you wake up, you are relating to yourself. Whether you realize it or not. Every time you look in the mirror, you are relating to yourself. And your ability or inability to relate to yourself in a healthy way based on how God sees you is going to affect how you talk to your children, how you talk to your husband, how you interact with co-workers. Listen to me, it is a big deal. That's why Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. He said, if you get anything right, get this part right. Because it's going to define how you interact with your world. Let me tell you why it's dangerous. Third thing is because until we learn to love ourselves in a healthy way, I ain't talking about in a conceited way. I'm talking about in a healthy way now. Until we learn to love ourselves in a healthy way, we're going to do two things. Number one, we're going to compare and we're going to compete. Are y'all... Are y'all are y'all listening to me? If you're not relating yourself to yourself in a healthy way, the first thing that kicks in is comparison. <laughs> now, there's something that happens with comparison, right? Uh, comparison will either give you an inflated sense of self because you're doing better than somebody, or it will give you a deflated sense of self because somebody you're comparing yourself to is doing better than you. Or at least that's what you think. Because you ain't seen nothing that's happening behind closed doors. Yeah, they got the crib on the cul-de-sac. Got the most bedrooms. You ain't got no idea they're behind on that mortgage, though. Uh, we partnered with Minnie's Food Pantry. Partnered with Minnie's Food Pantry. And she said when she started a food pantry in Plano, people thought she was crazy. Said, don't nobody need no food in Plano. Huh? And Cheryl has told me personally about the people who live in some of the most desirable zip codes. And the thing about Minis, they don't just limit it to the city to Plano, you can come from anywhere and get food. From the most desirable zip codes who are lining up for food. Because they just one paycheck away from missing the house payment, from missing the, and we steady comparing ourselves to them. Because comparison will always give you an inflated sense of self because you're doing, you think you're doing better than somebody. Or will give you a deflated sense of self because you think they're doing better than you. Now, some people just stay right there in the comparison and they get frustrated. Am I even going to get to this movie? <laughs> there are three great enemies to this moment right now. Can I help you? Lord, deliver me. Help me. He helped me. First enemy. The first enemy is the enemy of here. 
and the enemy of here is there. When I get there, life is going to be so much better. And we never enjoy here. Second enemy is the enemy called that. And the enemy called that is the enemy of this. We become so ungrateful and unthankful for what we have for this. For this. Because we steady fixated on that. And the third problem, the third problem is this enemy called then. Because then always robs us of now. And that's the problem with the comparison trap. I promise you, if you live by comparison, you have created, you have created for yourself. You have created for yourself. Uh, what's that thing they call the, the little mouse? Is it a mouse or rat? What was on that little circle? Hamster? What's it? Hamster wheel. You have created a self-imposed hamster wheel that's going 90 miles to nowhere. It's a vicious cycle that says, I will be happy when that happens. I'll be happy when I get there. And I'll be happy when I have that. And we lose sight of here, we lose sight of this, and we lose sight of now. Now, when that happens, then the next thing we want to do now is we want to start to compete. Comparison now is forcing us to take action. It's one thing to compare because that's all cerebral, that's all mental, that's your self-talk, that's the things you say. But competition is when, oh... Y'all know how your uh, neighbor roll up with a brand new whip? <laughs> Y'all looking at me real righteous <laughs> right now. For those of you who don't know what a whip is, it's a new car. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out in the Urban Dictionary. Dot com. Whip. Y'all know that little, it's just a little rub you get when they roll up with that new whip. Start doing the math. How soon can I get me one? And if they got one, I'm going to get me one that's fully loaded. <laughs> Y'all know how we do, right? I'm going somewhere with this. Because at the root, at the root of what we're about to see, in fact, let's just roll this clip. Let's just roll this clip before I go any further. Toy Story 1995, Woody and the toys meet Buzz. Here we go. Come on, somebody. So check this out. Uh, the truth is, uh, we all live in Andy's room. Yeah, we all, we all live in Andy's room. Our world is a lot like Andy's room. And, and, and you say, Pastor, what are we talking about? Let me, let, me, let me tell you why. Because something, something is happening. We're witnessing for the first time the tension between Buzz Lightyear and Woody 
and every other toy uh, in that room. And, and let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me frame this for you. Uh, every year, something, there was this thing that would happen. And it happened every year on the exact same day. Because every year on Andy's birthday, Andy got a new toy. Now, this year was a little bit different because they moved Andy's birthday up one week because the family was about to move. Y'all didn't know all of that was in Toy Story, did you? It's in there. So they have this surprise birthday and none of the toys are prepared. That's why Woody, who's the head honcho, sends the soldiers to go spy out what's happening. And they go spy it out and it's all these average, mediocre toys. And then all of a sudden, one of the, the one, I think Sergeant calls in on the radio and says, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, th th there's one more toy. And it's, it was a surprise from his mom. He opens the toy and it's Buzz Lightyear. And Woody, I mean, uh, Andy is so excited that he got Buzz Lightyear because it's the number one toy that year. And guess what Andy does? He brings that toy upstairs knocks Woody off the bed and puts Buzz in Woody's spot. Let, let, let me tell you something. There's two things happening in that scene. Number one, for the first time, in Andy's toy room, Woody's insecurities are exposed. Can I just say this? All of us won't change until the change directly affects us. And at the root of our fear, come on somebody, listen to me. I hope you're hearing this. This is playing out in a little children's movie that's 24 years old. Listen, the other day I was channel surfing with my son. We landed on Jaws. And when I looked at the year was made, 1975. There was a time when I was a kid and I watched a 40-year-old movie. It was in black and white. <laughs> the movies we grew up on now were 40 years old. Some of y'all saying, Pastor Ray, don't remind me. <laughs> no, listen, Star Wars is 42 years old. When I was a kid and I watched the classic movie, it was like, here's looking at you, kid. Casablanca, it was in black and white. People wore their hair different. Their clothes were different. And now I'm watching a movie that's 24 years old. Listen to what's happening. Listen to what's happening. Woody's insecurity. Can I, can I just tell you, at the root of insecurity is a fear of being misplaced or replaced. Buzz Lightyear showing up in that toy room destabilized everything. Because Woody was cool being number one. 
And as long as he was number one, and as long as he wasn't replaced, and as long as all the toys followed him, he was good. Notice what he said to Buds Lightyear. This must be a mistake because this is my spot. Y'all know what it feels like. When you walk into City Church a little late and somebody in your seat. You be saying exactly what Buzz Lightyear said. This is my spot. But in an even larger context, we live with that fear of being displaced and replaced. I'm talking, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> I'm talking about those of us who show up at work and they hire this new hotshot kid. And all of a sudden, we're not thinking about how the company's going to get better. It's like, what does this mean to me? What does this mean for me? I'm talking about the things that expose our insecurities. And sometimes it doesn't take a whole lot for somebody to be exposed. Sometimes all it takes is for you just to show up to expose somebody's insecurities. Buzz did not do one thing other than just be Buzz. And Woody is straight tripping. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Yes. His insecurity. Now, here's the problem, though. He starts to play. Listen to me. That, again, that comparison and competition. Hey, what's that button? Push the button. The, the dinosaur pushed the button. So, oh, man, that's a quality sound system. And he said, oh, no, no, no. Woody's got the same thing. Say, oh, no, no, no. That's just, just a drawstring, and it sounds like he's underwater. Listen to me, this cat was number one in that playroom, man. Couldn't nobody touch nothing. Woody did until Buzz Lightyear showed up and Woody starts tripping. And all the toys that once looked up to Woody are now looking at Buzz. Can I, can I tell you that it is impossible to love your neighbor when you're insecure about their presence? Y'all, y'all, are y'all listening to me this morning? <laughs> when Jesus said this is the greatest commandment, he said, look, the reason you need to listen to this is because your problem is I'm calling you to love people that are creating insecurity in you. But they didn't do nothing. They just showed up. And sometimes God will place buzz light years in our lives to expose the insecurities in us. Because he's trying to get us somewhere. Listen to me. He's trying to get us somewhere. He's trying to get us somewhere. So we see Woody's insecurity. But we see the flip side. Let's run that second clip. Because Buzz's issue is not a lack of confidence. There's some of you where the problem is not that you lack confidence. For some of you in the room, you got way too much confidence. <laughs> to the point of being delusional. Listen to me. And just as there is a moment in the movie where Woody's insecurities are exposed, 
There's also a movie in the, in the moment in the movie where Buzz, Buzz's ego is exposed. Can I just tell you? The moment he walked into the store and saw shelves of Buzz Lightyear's in the toy section, realize, listen to me, listen to me, Woody from the moment he showed up was telling Buzz Lightyear, you're just a toy! Buzz's response, I believe the words you're searching for are Space Ranger. <laughs> Buddy was like, no, you're a toy. I'm a Space Ranger. Nah, bro. <laughs> you a toy. Everybody in this room is a toy. Nope. I'm a Space Ranger. I, how many of you have ever been in that moment when it, it finally dawns on you? I'm just a toy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So this is Buzz's I'm just a toy moment. I got to finish this. Uh, so let's roll this second clip. Because this message is not those, just for those who wrestle with insecurity. It's also for those who wrestle with pride and an inflated ego. Listen to me. The scripture says, let no man think of himself more highly than he ought. And sometimes people are trying to help us. They're not trying to, 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 to belittle us. They're trying to help us have a sober estimation of who we are. You're a toy. No! I'm a space ranger. So here's Buzz's moment of clarity in Sid's house. And sometimes when you come face to face with mortality, you know you're about to die. You accept stuff a little bit clearer. Because y'all know what happened at Sid's house. Toys didn't come back the same. So here it is. Uh, Buzz and Woody at Sid's house, and then I'm going to close the message. All righty. Man, so much I could say about that scene, but all I'm going to say is simply this, because I'm going to fast forward. Uh, what you saw was Buzz coming to the realization that I'm just a toy. But notice, notice that Woody was unable to ask for help and Buzz was unable to help until they both came to their moment of realization. Until Buzz accepted the fact that he was just a toy. And that Woody accepted the fact that, look, this guy isn't here to replace me or displace me. I need his help. Was the time that the dynamic of their relationship changed. Sometimes, y'all, the very thing that threatens us is the very thing that God wants to use to preserve us. Now, if you watch that clip again, you'll notice that there was a moment where everything was fine, where Woody was saying all the nice things, and then he went back to that comparison trap. Of course, Andy loves you, but who could love a toy like me? And then he pulls that drawstring, and he goes right back into his insecurity. Listen to me. 
what changed that moment was one simple action. Is when Buzz pulls his, his leg up, turns his foot, and he sees Andy's name written on the sole of his boot. This is why I'm going to close the message. Because there's so much more I could say about comparison, about competing, about insecurity, about inflated egos. I could say so much more and we will be here until tomorrow. But listen to this. Listen to, let, me, let me just tell you this. If you, if you remember anything from this message, I need you to hear this. It's simply this. That your value and your worth it's not determined by what people say about you or what they don't say about you. It's not determined by the doors that are open for you or the doors that are shut in your face. It's not determined by who gravitates toward you or who turns their back on you. Your value and worth is determined by whose name is written on your soul. Not the soul of your shoes, but your very soul. And the name that is written, the name that is inscribed on your soul ain't Andy. It's the very name of God. And that's why when the tax collectors, not the tax collectors, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus trying to trick him, they said, should we pay taxes or not? And Jesus pulled out a $100 bill. It was actually a coin. And he says, whose name and inscription do you see on it? And they said, Caesar's. And Jesus replied and said, render or give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Give unto God what is God's. You know what that infers? Jesus was saying, just as Caesar's mark and inscription is on this coin, my mark and my inscription is on the souls of all my children. And until they understand that they are loved unconditionally by me. Listen to what Bo Peep said. Oh, Woody, I wish you could see how much Andy misses you. And most of us get caught up. We get caught up in our insecurities. And here's, here's what I, I know this will go against the script of the movie because those, those, those toys were supposed to be inanimate. They couldn't talk unless humans were, weren't there. But here, here's, here's the kicker. Uh, when Woody and Buzz are fighting each other, neither one of them went to Andy to say, what's my place? Some of y'all miss that. Because in the midst of our insecurity and inflated egos with each other, we steady going at each other. This person insecure, this person overconfident, we're steady butting heads and no one ever stops long enough to say, God, what am I worth to you? And what Bo Peep said is so important for each of us. God, I wish your sons and daughters could stop long enough to see how much you miss them. While we steady looking for affirmation on this level. 
final statement and I close. This is important because those seasons do happen in our lives. When we feel, when we feel inadequate. But I believe the Lord wants to encourage you this morning with this simple word. Just because you've been repositioned doesn't mean you've been replaced. Most of us struggle with the fact that you're no longer sitting on the bed, that you're in the box with the other toys. But the truth of the matter is, there are season when God will, seasons when God will reposition you. There are seasons when God will move you. There are seasons when your title and your roles and your responsibilities will change. But check this out. Check this out. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just because you have been repositioned doesn't mean you've been replaced. You know why? Because you are uniquely you. Nobody can be you. Nobody can do what you do. And one of my mentors would always say, you've been given a unique fingerprint so that you can leave a unique imprint that nobody else can leave. I don't care how many Buzz Lightyear show up in the days and the months and the years to come. God in his sovereignty may reposition you, but you can never be replaced because he created you to be uniquely you. And what God is calling us to do is settle, first of all, our worth before him. Know that my name is inscribed or God's name is inscribed on my soul. And because of that, I can love me. And when I love me better, it helps me love them better. Let me pray for you. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more details about City Church and for other resources, visit us online at www.citychurchtv.com or contact us via email at info at If you are encouraged or inspired by today's message, we ask that you prayerfully consider partnering with us financially, either in a one-time gift or as a monthly partner. No gift is too small. We have three convenient ways for you to give. Via our website at citychurchtv.com backslash give. Via text, text City Church TV and the amount that you would like to give to 77977. By mail, mail your check or money order to City Church Global Ministries, 8105 Razor Boulevard, Box 90, Plano, Texas, 75024. Once again, thank you for downloading today's message. We look forward to connecting with you soon.